Welcome to Career Tools. Today's topic, creating a presentation. Here we go. Well, Mark, we've covered a number of aspects of presentations in both career tools and manager tools. And yep. if someone's listening to career tools and you haven't listened to manager tools, you got to go listen to that because we have a lot of stuff from presentations there. Right. But we've never really told folks where to start, right? I mean, a great presentation doesn't start when you stand in the front of the room, go back to presentation basics, principle number one. Right. And Standing still. Right. right. Exactly. Right. It doesn't start when you send the invites out. And we have some, some guidance about that. No, really? It doesn't? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> well, Let's put it this way. Successful presentations. Yeah, that's start right. There, right. Lots of presentations start when people get up to the front of the room and then don't stand still, but it's all down there. Yeah, after it starts that. way, way before those things. Right. Um, like I said, particularly if you want to be successful. Right. And unfortunately, it's human nature to wait until, eh, you know, just a few days before the deadline or uh, in some cases the night before, before starting a thing. And we all know from our experience that the sooner we start, one, it's way, way easier. And secondly, it's apt to be much more right. successful. Yep. So today, we're going to talk about some of the things involved in starting early. When we say yeah. start early, here's some of the things we mean. Yeah. So we've got four recommendations. Let, let me actually take a brief aside and say this before we begin. There are a lot of people who have a lot of frustrations with PowerPoint. Uh, they say there are too many bullets. It's too, you know, it structures things in the wrong way. And we won't disagree that there's a lot of things that people do wrong with PowerPoint. On the other hand, those are all behavioral problems. They're not problems with the software. You can choose to give a great presentation using PowerPoint and actually using bullets and sub bullets. You don't want to have too many on a page. I think we covered that at some other point. But my point is, PowerPoint doesn't make people conform to the way that you suggest, which is the last minute put together a bunch of slides and then create the deck, which becomes the presentation, right? That's people choosing to rely on the software excessively and to not do their homework and to not be good presenters. And we've said it before about a lot of other parts of management. In the land of the blind, the one-eyed person is king or queen, and it's particularly true when it comes to presentations. So you'll hear us talk in this cast about how to start early and, and, and what to do, but don't, don't blame PowerPoint if you're not doing it. The ease with which you can create slides in PowerPoint, which is essentially an outline of your, of your presentation, doesn't mean that you should do that in order to create a presentation because your presentation is what you actually say and the solution to having a great presentation starts long before you start doing PowerPoint, right? Yeah, and I've actually seen, I mean, this is hard to believe, but I've actually seen great presentations where PowerPoint wasn't involved, yeah, believe, exactly. believe it or yeah. not, right? Right, and, and, and you know what they do? They do this stuff here that we're going to recommend. There you go. And we've got four recommendations. Number one, Mike already alluded to it. We start early. Number two, you spend some time collecting you gather data. It's almost like brainstorming. Step three, you refine your message. And this is where you actually prepare the presentation, uh, prepare the slides if you're going to use slides and also do a pre-wire. Uh, and then step four is rehearse. Right. And step one, starting early. I like, folks, we know as soon as you're know, you know you're going to have to present, the chances are that you're in the middle of a bunch of fires. You've got a lot of things going on, and you're going to focus on those fires. And the presentation isn't for another three weeks, so why spend time doing it? 
we know that the best presenters, as soon as they find out they have a presentation come up, coming up, even if it's three weeks later, they start preparing yeah. now. Yeah, exactly. People leave it, leave it, leave it two days before they, they they can't get the perfect data that would demonstrate exactly what they need. And no matter what you do at 2 a.m., you know, you're going to be tired and the, the charts won't line up and you think you can get some intern or some younger uh, person to put together the deck. And then you're presenting somebody else's deck, somebody else's slides. And frankly, at the last minute, you realize you need to make a change in order to really make it effective. Only you haven't briefed that change to somebody who might be surprised to hear it. And you really wonder whether or not you should do it. Right. And, then, and you see a hole in your argument yeah, exactly. that you can't feel. You don't have the data support. And you know, going into the presentation, you know you have a hole in your argument that you, and you have no data to support it. And you try to wing it. And it's yeah. lost at that point. Yeah. In the last two years, I have yet to see a good internal presentation at a corporation. Two years. Wow. And we've seen a lot. And, and I, I've yet to see a good one. I've seen boring ones. I've seen plain ones. I've seen straightforward ones where the guy didn't make any huge mistakes, but I've not seen any good ones. What happens is people rely on their force of personality to carry the presentation. And people aren't naturally good presenters. They don't know that presentation, it, first rule of presentations, is about it's about the audience. And, and so it doesn't go well. And they wonder why they can't get their ideas uh, uh, implemented. But starting early means that you do actually get a head start. You do have data to feel good about, right? If you start early, your diagrams do line up because you're not rushing at the last minute. You've already pre-wired the sales director. We'll talk more about that later. And you know that what he really needs is to his guy, for his guys to get their commissions. And so you'll probably be okay. Instead of relying on a bad foundation, Right. Instead of making that the most time you spend directly on the presentation is when you're actually presenting it, we recommend you actually rely on a good foundation by starting early. Now, now look, folks, we're not suggesting this is not the last word we're going to have on presentation, preparation of presentations and, and, and rehearsing and so on. We're trying to give you a broad overview, a framework for the time between the moment you get the, the, the requirement and the time you actually deliver. The sooner you start, the less you have to rely on your personality. And frankly, the better your presentation skills will get because you'll spend some time rehearsing. And the fact is, most of us, maybe we wouldn't admit it to friends or family or whatever, but we know we're not great presenters. By the way, if you're a natural, if you think of yourself as a natural in front of an audience, but nobody's ever said to you, wow, you're a great presenter, or you have trouble getting your ideas implemented, you're not a great presenter. Just because you think you're natural in front of the audience, that doesn't make you great. It makes you less not natural than somebody who's not natural in front of the audience, but that doesn't make you any good. You're a naturally you're, bad presenter. Well, yeah. Well, but look, you're, you're comfortable. Yeah, I guess that, that's one way of putting it, right? People act as if naturalness is the key. Well, unfortunately, what they don't realize is some of the people who are great presenters work really hard at it and they look natural, but in fact, it was hard work. So somehow in, in our professional cultural society today, we've substituted naturalness for effectiveness. And it's right. just wrong. Yeah. It's not enough to be entertaining. Yeah. You have to be persuasive. Yeah. <laughs> it's not enough to just handle questions that the audience throws at you with a little bit of a joke or something like that. The whole key to presenting, the first rule of presenting is it's all about the audience. And the second rule of presenting is it's all about preparation. And this cast is about part of that second rule, an overview of that second rule about preparation. Right. And so we're going to divide up the time 
you use for, for preparing for the presentation into thirds, right? And in the first third of the time you have a lot, have. So if you have three weeks to the, to the presentation, you have a week to do the first step, which is collect the information. Right. And, and let's be clear, if you only have three days, then you, then you have one day, yeah, one day to do your collection, right? That's right. That's a nice, by the way, folks, that's a nice way to think about preparation. People tell us all the time, oh, I get stuff at the last minute. I don't have time to prepare. If you'll come up with a preparation concept, that breaks the, the time between now and the time of the presentation or the time of the deliverable, whatever it might be, into thirds or fourths, whether you have eight hours or eight weeks, you'll be able to structure the way you approach your preparation. And so you won't be doing everything at the last minute. You won't be doing the writing of the deck. You won't be do, doing the rehearsing of the deck. You won't be doing all the last minute because, oh, I just don't have enough time. Yeah, It's a way of thinking about the time between zero hour and inception. But that's not what most people do. No, right? of course not. They, right? The first thing they do is they it's, start it's actually slides. creating slides. Yeah, right, right. exactly. And slides, look, at, folks, when, if you're creating slides, we bet you what you're doing is you're writing an outline of the show, an outline of the presentation. And it's wrong, okay? What happens is you start writing a deck, you start writing slides, and then you discover that the data you're looking for or the raw material or whatever you need to present doesn't match it. And you have to change your argument. And then you're just, you've just wasted your time creating slides. So look, the first thing you got to realize is even though we want you to start early, we don't want you to waste a whole bunch of time doing work over and over again. So what you do is in the collection phase, in the first third of the time, whether it's three days or three weeks or three months, you begin by collecting all the information you think will be relevant, and then you organize it. Okay, so this might actually be good for people because if they have three weeks, we're telling them now, don't start putting slides together for a week. So if you're panicking about putting slides together, don't worry, you have a whole week, right? Well, lucky you. <laughs> and, and, and there are some people who are listening, let's dissuade them yet again. They're thinking, if I have three weeks, I better start putting slides together now, but that way it'll, I'll have a relaxed period in order to get ready. You know, I'll be able to really, really think about this and so on. No, you don't ever want to start creating slides. You want to, don't ever want to be typing slides or creating a deck until you've gone through the process of collection of getting all the relevant information and organizing it. As an example, let's say you need to put together a strategy for your business for the next couple of years, okay? If you're persuaded by volume, then the, you, you've got to do something around social media, let's say. If there is a day gone by in the last two years when there hasn't been some report saying that businesses should get into social media, we missed it. Um, every day we're bombarded with more stuff about social media. So you start a set of slides about how great social media will be. Well, okay, maybe you need some data to support your strategy. You look around and find out that 30% of Twitter users and 25% of Facebook users are between 35, 25 and 34. Great. Except your business sells trackers to farmers and most of your customers are 45, 50, 55. They don't have iPhones to tweet and retweet when they're out on their trackers in the barn. Now, all that work you thought of in the first thought of, well, I need to do some social media stuff, is completely worthless. And here's what's even worse. I've seen people start with worthless stuff, get data to contradict it, and then realize it's so close, I have so little time. It basically tempts them into continuing to follow the logic, even though you've got data to refute the very idea that you're, you're thinking about yeah, presenting. Yeah, there's an absolutely natural tendency of folks to do that. Yeah, the moment you get it on paper, the moment you start doing the slides, you right? Want to, you make one slide, folks get attached to that. 
that slide. Yeah, I, say, hey, I put a half an hour into that slide, and it's really hard to throw it away. Yeah, but Wendy and I were just talking the other day about writing, and we realized when we're having trouble with a sentence, we start writing a sentence and we're having trouble with it, the best thing to do is just delete the whole sentence and start it over differently, right? And when it comes to preparation, if you've learned the habit of starting your deck right away, like starting a title slide or whatever, or, or worrying about the color scheme, oh my gosh, you're absolutely off on the wrong track. Hold off on the deck. Hold off on the slides. What you need to do is think first, collect a bunch of data, and organize it. So then, after having been steeped in it for a day or a week or a month, you'll be much more cogent, much more prepared to start thinking about, okay, what does all this data, now that I've organized it, mean, and how might I present it? Right. So so how do the most effective managers and executives and presenters, how do they approach the problem differently? What do they do different? Oh, God, look, find a folder, find an empty envelope, and and collect your data. Print it out if you have to. Print it out from the Internet. Um, You can recycle it later, folks. It is much, much easier to work with information which is printed out rather than to read your screen. So one of the things I'm noticing in terms of personal or professional behavior is people think, oh, I I don't need to print it out. And, folks, we're all for you not printing it out and saving that that piece of paper. But they read it on, on their computer screen or maybe on their iPad or maybe on their phone. And because they're so used to reading digital screens quickly, they say to themselves, that's a good idea, whatever, and they don't write it down. Or they make a note that doesn't have the citation or doesn't really tell you anything more, like they write down 35% as if they'll remember it. And then they find that sticky note later, and they don't really know what to do Mm -hmm. with it. So what we recommend is if you're reading something online, go ahead and print your screen, go ahead and print that web page, and put it in a folder, okay? You don't have to really sort it just yet. But for now, print it out. You can put sticky notes on it if you want. Scribble your thoughts right on it. And look, we admit there are some people who are listening right now, IT people, who say, oh, you can do this on a computer too. You can use Evernote and so on. Nothing wrong with that. But but the fact is, yeah, particularly if you're going to meld digital data with newspaper data or magazine data or internal document data, right? You put all that together, having it all in one form so you can look at it all at the same time. I'll not forget the number of times that I've been on a plane, lost my battery on my laptop. My battery died before I got this new MacBook Air. And I had some things printed out and some things uh, bookmarked on the computer, and I couldn't see the things bookmarked on the computer, yeah. right? I, I Having it all in one place is better. I remember an old boss of mine, president of a very large telecommunications company, and I walked into Wayne's office, and he's getting ready for a presentation. It's a fairly large office, and he has stuff spread. It wouldn't fit on his desk. It was spread it, his entire yeah. He's looking, floor. Yeah. Was covered. And he's looking at, oh, that doesn't make sense. He's looking at that in context of that. Right. And it's the only place we could see, get the big picture and of a guy the like Wayne, A guy like Wayne is already thinking, he's already thinking, what What does my audience need? What am I trying to persuade him of? And backing out from the audience and the point you're trying to persuade, what data supports that Absolutely. in what way? Not use all of it. Not throw it all in the kitchen sink. By the same token, not start with one idea and then follow that thread. Stop that. Take a step back. Look at the universe. Boil the ocean a little bit down to something that's worthwhile. And then what he's going to do is turn that into gold. That pile, pretty interesting stuff. But doesn't help me make my right. point. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Garbage yeah. No, look, you're gathering data. You're thinking about this. Maybe you don't. Maybe you only spend a half an hour on it each day if you've got three weeks, let's say. And I know some of you are thinking, oh, my God, I only got three days. Okay, fine. So on the first day, you're collecting, you're organizing, you're thinking. And so maybe you spend an hour and a half on it. And you think, what are all the, all the places I can get data that will support my opinion on this? At this point, don't discard, don't disregard anything. 
it's a little bit like brainstorming here. You got to fight your inclination to limit yourselves to start making decisions. Decision, which is Latin, from the Latin word decidere, which means to cut in two, right? To to separate. We, we want to leave it as broad as we possibly can in this first phase, in the collection phase. It, and sometimes it's those unexpected connections that that are useful. So just collect, just brainstorm, just physically grab stuff put it in a pile. And, and frankly, sometimes the order in which you look at the pile makes a difference in terms of the kind of insights you might have. Yeah. So first third, just take your time, start collecting, and then let your subconscious do a little bit, yeah, exactly. a little bit of work. You're right. Let's be yeah. honest about it. The subconscious matters. Oh, looking at that pile two or three times, if you have a whole week, looking at the, collecting stuff on Monday, looking at it on Tuesday morning, and then adding some more, looking at it again on Thursday, and then suddenly on Friday, you go, aha, I've got something. There's something new and different. I thought about this, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So first third of the time, doesn't seem too hard so far, right? Right. Good. Now the second third, now we're into the refinement strategy, right? Refining your data, creating your slides, and beginning to pre-wire. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about that. So you've got to refine what you've got. You've got this raw material. You've got to refine it. Then and only then in step 2B, right? There's step 1 which is really collect and organize. So it's step 1A and 1B. And then in step two, we've got, we've got to refine the data. So that's 2A. We've got to, cre- we got to create the slides. That's 2B. And then we've got to do the pre-wire, which is a whole nother podcast, right? That's and you know, I'm a high C. So, so when you start seeing this 2A, B, C, I'm really this. excited. Yeah. I'm talking to you high Cs out there, by the way. Um, for those of you who have been to our ECCs, our Effective Communication Conferences, I know you love that. Uh, we have great fun in our uh, communications conferences. We, we teach the next step in disc evolution about how to make yourself effective by being able to observe and analyze other people. And um, it, it always gives me great fun to have multiple bullet points with sub-bullets in our podcast because I know the high C's would think, oh, here's somebody who's organized. Their data has more value because it's organized, which is exactly true of preparing a presentation, right? First, you gather data. Data and then you organized it, and now in the step two, we're going to we're going to refine, we're going to create the slides, and then we're going to pre-wire. Um, the best way to start refining data that you've got into a presentation is literally. You mentioned Wayne's floor, right? Yeah. Find a large conference table, literally pour out your envelope, and start arranging the information on the table. Now, this is where the high C's are going. What? 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 Why don't we have a grid? And why don't we do all that sort of stuff? You high eyes would be great. Just drop it on the table, turn everything over so you can see it, and start moving it around a little bit right? Basically, you use sticky notes for those areas in between some of the data sets or some of the ideas you have for how you might be able to motivate the offer. Or a sticky uh, note might audience. be a place where you, you see there's some data missing. So, okay, got to do more work there. Exactly. Right? Oh, good point. Exactly. Yeah. I need more information right there. Exactly. Basically, it allows you to see the presentation as a whole rather than if you've got a deck of slides, people tend to see slide eight as being unconnected to slide one. Mm-hmm. And it's not. It is connected to slide one. And everybody gets each slide right, but then they never think about the whole. They think yeah. about each part, and they want to make sure they get each deck, each slide in, in the deck correct. But they don't ever think, what's the big picture? And you're not going to have good details unless you have a good big picture. And this is when you get the big picture together. Okay, so um, potentially this isn't going to take you much more than 30 minutes because while you've been gathering the data, your brain has been working away, as Mike mentioned, the subconscious, and you really haven't had to try. And so it's going to be pretty easy to sort of figure out how things go together. And at this point, you work out what your key message or perhaps two or three, but no more than three in most presentations, what your key message is and keep that in mind for the remaining steps. 
Okay, you've got to have an organizing thought, a fundamental idea or two for your presentation. People expect your presentation to have a point. If you're trying to get a decision, it should be, I'm recommending uh, uh, option A. Can I have a decision? Will you you decide on on option A? And you've got to have the key reasons why you're recommending option A. Um, Now that you've figured out what's going to be on each slide and that it fits fits into the entire context of right. what you're describing, right? There's there's a path from the first slide to the 10th slide, for exactly. example. Right. Now you can start working on the individual slides. Yeah, now you start creating the presentation, right? It's going to go way faster oh, when yeah. you have a good feel about the big picture and you know how each of the subparts, each of the slides, connect to the big picture as well. And, and, and frankly, you can probably even begin to hear yourself talking about some of the subjects, some of the ideas you've got there, which is a nice passive, not active, not great, but it's nice passive form of practice. It definitely helps to be thinking about how you're going to actually say the things that you're going to put on your slides. You're not rehearsing yet. This doesn't count as rehearsing, but it still has value. Okay. Now, once you have your slides roughly 80% 80% completed, okay? And what I mean by that is you've got all your slides, but you're not 100% sure you're totally ready for them. Now you start to do a pre-wire, okay? Now, if you don't know what pre-wire is, uh, Mike and I are recording this after a day of an effective communications conference, a day after an effective manager conference. And I made the point in front of the, the group during the open Q&A tonight that, that um, probably two of our favorite casts are Steel Cage Deathmatch and the Prewire cast. And, and, and if you're a manager out there or if you're a professional out there and you haven't listened to our Prewire cast, you are missing a huge opportunity to become a notably better, notably better presenter and to reduce the chances that when you ask for stuff, you won't get it. Um, if you want something done and it takes a presentation in order to get it, you better make sure you know how everybody's going to vote who's going to be in that meeting when you're making the presentation. And the way you get that is through a pre-wire, okay? After the management trinity, right, one-on-one feedback, coaching, delegation, this is the, one of the fastest ways, pre-wire is one of the fastest ways to get more done the way you want it done. Look, Pre-wiring means going to your boss and the people who are going to the presentation ahead of the meeting, showing them the slides, and talking them through what you intend to say, tend to say, okay? This gives them the opportunity, every person who's going to have a say, to show you any errors in logic or, or things they simply disagree with because it's not persuasive to them, okay? Um, they get a chance to let you know about their objections before you present, it gives you the opportunity to make those changes and to ensure your presentation is what Mike and I would call a slam dunk. And, and look, who, who wouldn't want that? You get detailed guidance on pre-wiring. Now, you might be thinking, well, what if somebody says, well, I absolutely can't stand for that. That probably doesn't mean you won't give your presentation. But the fact is that happens exceptionally rarely. And what usually happens is people are thrilled that you're talking to them privately so they don't have to voice their opinions publicly, in front, particularly in front of their boss. So they're actually thrilled. They tend to mute some of their, their conflict with you and they're willing to, they're thrilled that you're willing to consider their point of view and they're willing to throw something to you that'll help you modify your presentation and that they can be happy with. Remember that when you're presenting to a group of executives, particularly, you're not looking for unanimity. You're looking for consensus. And the definition of consensus is nobody willing to fall on their sword and say, I won't tolerate that. It doesn't mean everybody loves the idea. It means nobody hates it so much that they're going to say no to it. 
sometimes just the fact that you ask in advance means, okay, you've asked, I'll, I'll give you something to work on. I'm not going to stand in the way on this. I'm not going to stand in the way of somebody who knows that they need to get my approval or get my okay or get my insight or get my ideas before they present to me. And what happens is if you don't do a pre-wire, you go into the meeting, nobody knows what you're going to present. Nobody really wants to say yes because they don't like it. And so nobody will actually say yes. Nobody will really say no. They'll just kind of grumble about it. And they won't actually look at the boss and say, no, I don't want to. But the boss will hear all the grumblings and realize, no, it doesn't sound like we're ready yet. And then you'll have to go back and do it again. And if you want to do it again, you better pre-wire then. And what you'll discover is nobody was really fundamentally against it. They just weren't enough for it. And a pre-wire would have gotten them enough for it that they would all say, yeah, sure, I'm okay with that. Not, I love the idea, but at least I'm okay with it. And that's what you need. If all of the directs of the boss who makes the final decision say, yeah, I'm okay with it. If the boss is okay with it, then it's going to be a yes. Yeah. If you want everybody to love everything you ever say... Give up now. It just, yeah. It's just not going to happen. doesn't happen. Yeah. And for, well, look, almost every what, – what, how many times have I said it? If you're looking up at the top of your organization, what you call politics, they call collaboration. You're going to have to log roll. You're going to have to agree to change some of the things in your presentations, in your ideas, in your programs, in your policies, in your procedures to get things done. It's as simple as that. Now, the next third – we've talked – we've done the first two-thirds. The next third – is the great one because I've observed lots of presenters, lot of, lots of managers, lots of professionals preparing for presentations, and this is the part it seems like is pretty easy because people they get they've got their slides they got already they go home sometimes they go even go home early they sit on the couch and they just review their slides just review for, the slides for, for an hour or two <laughs> and just go through it in their mind and yeah. they get up and they're and they're just terribly I'm totally successful. Ready. I'm totally ready. No, yeah, that, that no. in fact and they they call that rehearsing. I'm rehearsing. That's get, not get, rehearsing. Get out of my office. I'm rehearsing for the presentation later. I look at him I'm like you're not rehearsing and the guy looks at me and says, "Yes, he is." I said, "Hey, I was I was hired to coach you on being effective. That's not rehearsing." He says, "Well, what do you mean? I'm going over the deck. I'm getting it all ready. I may make some changes." I'm like, "Oh god, that's a bad idea." I said, no, rehearsing is standing in the room where you're going to present and actually presenting. He says, oh, my gosh, why would I do that? Because until you actually say it out loud, you can't know how it's going to sound. Yeah. Okay. And, and look, <laughs> and we somehow know, it always sounds worse when you yeah, say it out loud. At least one. When, you, when we recommend you rehearse, you can do it in your office if you want. You can do it at home. But it means standing up and saying out loud what you're going to present as you intend to present it. Well, and ideally, at least once in the room you're going to be in, if you can, and standing up and dressed in the clothes you're going to wear. Are you kidding me? Because I, I thought like the best actors, they read the script, and they then get they, out in front of the camera, and they just say it. And it's, yeah, it's the, fir- it's the first time they ever said it, right? Is They've right? read the script a bunch of times, though, so they're oh, really over and over comfortable yeah. with their ideas. And they just stand up, and they deliver it perfectly. I mean, God, yeah, exactly, right? I wonder how many takes the average movie takes. I mean, they're rehearsing the night before. They're reading scripts and reading lines with each other, practicing their timing and everything else. And then they start doing it for real. And they have to do multiple takes, right? Yeah. In order to get it right. You're making, this, you're the making these presentations sound like it's almost a performance of some sort. Uh, it might be. In that it's all about the audience, I would think it is about performance. In fact, let me make it even easier. I want to make it hard. I really do. I mean, this is about, man- this. you know, this is career tools and like manager tools, we want to make things easier for you. But the fact is, we want you to know that if you'll approach this as something that's hard and you work hard at it, you will get so much better, so much faster than anybody else that you'll feel like, again, the land in the land of the blind, the one-eyed person is king or queen. Um, now, look, we know, folks, that nobody likes rehearsing out loud. We kid ourselves that the whole reading the slides is the same. It's not, Okay. 
actors have out loud rehearsals. Unless you rehearse out loud, rehearse out loud, you won't find the words you need to change and the ones you stumble over that happens every single time people give presentations. You can actually, if you've watched a lot of presentations, you can tell that somebody hasn't rehearsed when they stumble because it's clear they could see the stumble coming or that they didn't prepare and clearly that part of the presentation didn't work. And if they'd rehearsed it even one time, they would have known that. Yeah, and folks... You know, the fact that you stumble over your words once or twice is not really the killer. Right. It's uh, inconvenient for sure. The problem is once you do that, then you become more nervous. You start beating yourself up for having made that mistake. And then you make 10 other mistakes during the presentation. And it's easily solved by practicing it out loud in advance. If you don't rehearse, you won't find the point where the three or four sentences together don't flow. You won't know how long your presentation takes, by the way. I'm amazed that people don't know the rule that one slide for every 10 minutes in the presentation. People have 15-minute presentations. They have, I only have 30 slides. What are you, nuts? Are you insane? (laughs) What? what, what? You know what? And you give some executive those 30 slides, and what does he immediately do? Flip right to the back page. What's the bottom line here? And then the person's like, well, I'd really like to make my case. I don't want you to make your case. If I'm convinced that it's a good idea, I'm going to do it right now. I don't want to listen to you. And people are like, wow, I can't believe he said that. Yeah, they say that. Okay. You won't know how long it takes. And, and look, there's no skimping on any of these steps. But even if you do, do, don't do any of the others and, and you've just rehearsed once out loud, you're going to be 100% better than if you hadn't done that. Okay. Rehearsing in the room you're going to use allows you to get used to the sound of your voice, the dimensions of the room. It allows you to know what you're going to trip on if you're going to trip on something. Think about it. You're much more comfortable in your own living room or in your office than you are in a bank manager's office. It's not just because he's the bank manager, but because you're not used to the physical surroundings. If going in that conference room and wandering around talking out loud for an hour hour will help you feel comfortable, why would you not do it? And oh, by the way, don't for a second think you'll be ridiculed. Imagine that one of your peers walks by and he sees you in the conference room where you're going to be presenting the next morning at six o'clock at night, walking through your entire presentation. There's not a peer of yours or subordinate of yours or even superior of yours who wouldn't raise their eyebrows and go, dang, this guy is serious. And they know you're going to be better for the hard work you're doing then. And it seems kind of silly to to some folks, but we recommend that you practice in the clothes in which you'll be presenting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, For women, you know, depending upon the height of the heel that you wear normally, if you wear a different outfit for when you present, and we recommend you do, the shoes that you're wearing make a difference. Are you going to trip in these shoes as opposed to flats? And the shoes that make you feel good, your, your, your lucky shoes, may not be shoes that you can stand up in for an hour if you're actually going to be presenting. Make sure you can wear them before you decide to wear them on the day of the presentation. Make sure you can move in the clothes that you're wearing. Maybe you have a presentation suit, but it's early January. You haven't gotten back into the gym, and it doesn't fit well. Okay, <laughs> right in the middle yeah. of your presentation. Oh, my God. I've seen it. I've seen it. It's not oh good. Oh, my God. Not good. So make sure you can make proper gestures. You can gesticulate appropriately, okay? Unless you practice, you won't find out until you try to point and you hear the ripping sound that Mike is joking about. I can't believe you would belittle a presenter that way. I, I'm i stunned and embarrassed and shocked. Dude, that it you was would. the most fun presentation <laughs> I've ever been in. It was great. Yeah, and, and look, folks, actually, have a videotape in there if you want. This is not in the show notes, but put a videotape in there and watch yourself on videotape. Oh, my gosh. You'll look a lot worse on videotape than you sound like you do in your in your head. Okay, getting the clothes out of the closet or out of your wardrobe also gives you a chance to to figure out that the 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 suit 
needs cleaning after all, or you didn't hang it up right, make sure you know in advance, partly because you don't want to find out that the thing you were certain you're going to wear is not available the morning you need to wear it. And oops, you didn't do laundry last night and now you're stuck. Okay. It probably sounds like overkill, but as often as I have given the presentations I've given, I never, ever present anything unless I've walked through the entire time. And it actually, I, I've given presentations. I've rehearsed presentations in my house on a weekend. And uh, I remember one time Drake said, are you not done? And I said, it's a day-long presentation, dude. It's, it's, it's eight hours. It's a, it's a whole conference. And he says, okay, okay. He says, when we're done, can we eat dinner? <laughs> so presentations matter. Audiences matter and rehearsals are huge. And if you if you give yourself three days, if you only have three days and you start writing your deck right away, you're not going to be as effective. Four things we're recommending here. Start early. Take time to collect the data that you want. Get it organized. And then refine it. Set it up in an order, a certain order. And then write your slides as step 2B and as Mike would say. And step 2C, you do your pre-wire in advance. Okay. And then last step, number four, you rehearse, 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 rehearse. Get it right. If it's only 15 minutes long, you can do two or three or four rehearsals in two evenings at the office after everybody else goes home. Look, the simple fact of the matter, folks, is being a good presenter is not a gift. Being natural is not what's important. It is a sheer talent. It comes from hard work. I've said to people many times when I present at conferences, I'm tired when I get done at the end of the day. I'm always amazed that people get lethargic after I've been working so hard and they've been sitting down all day. It's hard work to be good. And the sooner you start getting better, the easier it will be for you to be excellent when you're a senior manager or a, an executive and you're talking to thousands of people. You don't want to talk to thousands of people and not be ready. How do you get ready? By spending the time to get ready. Awesome. Thanks, a friend. My pleasure, partner. Thanks, everyone. That's it. If you have any questions about presentations and you want to get them answered, come to the discussion forums, www.manager-tools.com forward slash forums. Hope to see you there. All right, folks. See you next week. So long.